Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Feckit Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly, and I'm here talking about restrictive eating disorders and how to overcome them. And if you've been listening to my recent episodes, you will know and you will be very bored of hearing that I have just published a book called Addicted to Energy Deficit, and it's a neuroscience-based guide to restrictive eating disorders. And it's all about how I now understand restrictive eating disorders to be a brain-based addiction to the state of energy deficit, so that any behaviours that lead you to energy deficit can become instantly compulsive and rewarding in themselves because your brain is trying to get its ultimate fix from its drug, which to your brain is energy deficit. So I've released a few episodes recently talking about that, introducing the book, introducing the concept and some of the neuroscience behind what a brain-based addiction to energy deficit actually looks like. This is just a short-ish episode and it's to talk about and introduce to you the power of rituals when you have a restrictive eating disorder. Now, I'm sure any one of you who has an eating disorder who's listening to this will know that there can be a lot of rituals that surround the eating disorder and the behaviours that you have. Some of them you won't even realise are rituals until you sit down and reflect on it or somebody points it out to you. Rituals and restrictive eating disorders actually go hand in hand. And as with any form of addiction, it's important to be aware of the rituals that you have and the power they have over you. It's very likely that you not only have an addictive drive to eat restrictively and engage in certain compensatory behaviours, but that the way you approach those behaviours and the way you approach your eating can be very fixed, very rigid, and surrounded by a number of ritualistic acts. And those rituals can become addictive in themselves, so that not being able to follow your usual patterns when it comes to where or how you engage in the behaviours, or where or how you engage in your usual eating routine, will only further increase your levels of distress and anxiety. So examples of rituals with a restrictive eating disorder can include having ritualistic times of day that you will eat or needing to be seated in the same spot to consume the same foods in the same old amounts. You might have rituals in relation to movement patterns that you feel compelled to engage in before eating or before going to bed, or just generally have very ritualistic movement patterns as part of that compulsive drive to move. If you purge by vomiting, 
then you might find that that can be very ritualized in terms of when, where and how. Or you might find that compulsive walks need to follow the exact same route each time. Again, in a pattern that's best described really as very ritualistic. Now, these rituals don't really make sense if you are just addicted to the direct pursuit of energy deficit. If that were the case, then as long as you were eating restrictively, whether you did so sitting at the table or in an armchair shouldn't make a difference. The same with movement. If you were only addicted to walking or compulsively walking, then as long as you got your fix in terms of how far or fast you walk, the route you take shouldn't matter. So there's something deeper that's occurring to create these powerful rituals around the eating disorder's addictive behaviours. And as I said at the start, deeply ingrained rituals surrounding an addictive behaviour are also very common to other kinds of addiction. So the time of day in which the addiction is engaged in, the location or the tools used with it, can all become as important to the person who's got the addiction as the behaviour or the substance they're addicted to in itself is. And it's also recognised that rituals can also be emotional. It might be that being upset about something gives someone a reason to engage in their drug. And that then leads them to seek something to become angry or upset about and becomes part of their ritualistic pattern. So an example of this in relation to restrictive eating disorders might be engaging in thoughts about being fat, which then trigger feelings of greed and disgust in you. And then that becomes an automatic and ritualistic pattern that precedes your restrictive eating habits. And rituals followed as part of an addictive pattern of behaviour are largely unconscious and if questioned, most people won't know why it is that they feel they must do something in a particular way or in a certain place. But when someone has started to engage in a ritual as part of an eating or addictive disorder, it can be very hard for them to then stop themselves from going on to get their full fix of their drug, which, as you know, with eating disorders, I consider that to be energy deficit. So why does your brain push you to follow the habits that form part of the eating disorder in such ritualistic ways? Well, over time, the pursuit of your drug of energy deficit has become your brain's primary goal and highest priority. As the eating disorder became deeply entrenched, your days primarily focused on what, where, and how you would restrict or compensate, to the point that other things that you once found pleasure in lost their meaning. So your brain has come to identify these behaviours as highly important or even crucial to survival. And it's little wonder that your brain notices and puts high importance onto everything that then surrounds these behaviours. So in that way, when you first eat a restrictive meal at a certain place at the table, your brain notices and registers this and recognises that this seat is a spot that it's safe to eat the foods you will eat. Or the time of day a behaviour is undertaken is also picked up by your brain and registered as highly important. 
taking a particular route on that compulsive walk once becomes another thing that your brain latches onto as this route matters, it's safe, and it ensures I can get the dopamine I crave. When you engage in a highly addictive behavior, then the how, the what, the where, the when, or the emotional state you're in as you do so are noticed by your brain. And it will then ensure future pursuit of the same rewards are successful by driving you to repeat them in the same way in future. And in this way, rituals become just as deeply embedded, habitual and subconscious parts of the eating disorder as the overarching behaviours themselves are. So when you're trying to overcome an eating disorder, it's really important to identify what the rituals are that surround the behaviours you engage in. And as I said earlier, once you start to engage in a ritual that would usually end in full engagement with the compulsive behaviour, it's very hard to then apply the brakes and stop yourself. And that's because your brain has already started to release dopamine in response to the ritual, and it has begun to follow the deep and automatic brain circuits that then drive the full behaviour. So being able to recognise your rituals, label them, and establish ways to stop them before they begin is really important. And that might simply involve moving the furniture so that the usual seat at the table that you use for meals is no longer available. It might be using different crockery and cutlery, or deliberately making plans for the times of day that you would usually engage in compensatory behaviours. These changes can make a big difference to whether you successfully abstain from the eating disorder's habitual pursuit of energy deficit or not. At the end of the day, rituals surrounding addictions and eating disorders are very powerful. So you need to be mindful of them and how much pull they have. And wherever you can, find ways to remove them so that you can hopefully find it that little bit easier to get this eating disorder out of your life. So I hope that's given you something to think about today and something to reflect on in your own life as to what your particular rituals might be and how you can address them. In future episodes, I'm going to talk a bit more about withdrawal symptoms when you have an eating disorder and as you overcome it, and then about what you need to do to overcome the eating disorder. So stay tuned. In the meantime, keep eating, keep resting, Keep bashing that eating disorder out your life, find and address your rituals, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.